Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon, and we have an instant reaction podcast today. We uh, jumped on the phone with Joel Klatt, my good buddy who does college football for Fox and is going to help out more this year with golf for the Fox uh, coverage of the USGA Championships, and he's an enormous golf fan and spends basically every waking moment watching golf, consuming it in some capacity. He jumped on. We talked, of course, Rory in the win. Uh, talked about the struggles of John Rahm and Tommy Fleetwood late in the day, and then all of it went down at the 17th with those bomb putts. Talked a little bit of Tiger, not too much, and I hit on some topics that we're going to do after every big event. That's going to be something we're going to try to do on Sunday evenings after. Of course, this Clubhouse Podcast is brought to you by Titleist and the new Pro V1 and Pro V1X. The all-new Pro V1 and Pro V1X have been redesigned for more speed, more precision, and more consistency than ever before. If you compare the two, the Pro V1 has a softer feel, lower flight than the Pro V1X. The Pro V1X has a higher flight with more spin and a firmer feel. Both models continue to provide proven drop-and-stop greenside control, lasting durability, and unsurpassed quality. And good news, it's March, which means they're now... Both available in yellow for the first time ever. I just got three dozen sent to me, and uh, I'm about to go on a trip, and I'm taking a couple of sleeves, and I'm excited to try them out and see how they look and feel. I can only imagine they'll be as good as ever. Prove how good you can be. Tee up the new Pro V1 or Pro V1X on your next round of golf. And uh, good news about this podcast, and hopefully all the audio works, because I spilled an entire glass of water on my laptop as Rory was playing about the fifth hole on Sunday. And so uh, I took the laptop outside and I dried it off and I put it in the Arizona sun and prayed to all the heavens that the thing would work again. So here is to the laptop working, the podcast getting out and, uh, and you guys enjoying it on a Monday morning. Yeah, let's get to it. And Joel Clapp. And we welcome in on a Sunday evening. I guess it's really not evening when you're on the West Coast watching golf on the East Coast, which is again one of the best parts about being a West Coast golf viewer. Joel Clad is here. You guys all know Joel from all the college football work he does with Fox. He does an unbelievable job in the booth next to Gus, calling all the big games for Fox, but uh, you might not know uh, a huge, huge golf fan, and also will be a bigger part of the Fox coverage of the USGA events, specifically the championships, the US Open, Women's Open, and Senior Open this year. For Fox, so Clat, first question: What's the handicap out right now? What's the handicap at? And don't be lying. Oh, you don't ask me that. It's 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 gone up. I'm I'm actually two point one, trending upwards. <laughs> That's a good thing to do as we get set for the summer. Uh, you want to get it to like a four or a five, so when we go play a little That's bit, a uh, when we can kind of dabble into some of the actual golf we want to play, uh, the handicap will be there. Uh, you know, the the players just wrapped up, Clat, and uh, it was. Both a little bit of a bummer to start on Sunday. You kept waiting for fireworks to happen. And all of a sudden, I feel like the Eddie Pepperell putt goes in on 17. He kind of walks that one in. And then we just started seeing shots. We started seeing birdies. Yeah. We started, Rory kind of started to get into gear. We were waiting for that to happen. I loved what he said after yeah. where he said that double bogey on the fourth hole didn't affect him because he knew it was going to be tough. Vegas makes the putt. It was a lot of fun that last nine holes. And of course, it ends with with really what I think a lot of people thought they might see to start is that start the week was Rory walking away victorious because he's played so well in 2019. Yeah. And listen, I know that, you know, if you watch the coverage, which I do, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm a nut about it. And listen, I, I get it right. Like, like partners have to be partners uh, from a broadcasting standpoint, but they rave about the course. 
the course sucks. So that's why you don't get like that many fireworks early. It's just not a great course until you get to the end. That's, I mean, that's so, so for me, there's just a bunch of, of trouble and a bunch of, you know, really tight, not great holes until the end of the tournament. And, and I think that lent itself to the type of day we got watching golf on Sunday, because that's what it felt like to me. And then once the leaders in that wave or the guys that were playing well started coming through the holes that were exciting. That's when we started getting excitement. You touched on the shots that I would have touched on Vegas, Pepperell, you know, even earlier in the day, Tiger had that chip shot from the fringe. He bumps it over. It rolls down there, you know? So, um, it was really exciting about the last hour and a half. I totally agree with you. Yeah, it was one of those days where, you know, you're, you're kind of doing other stuff as you watch. I was, like, doing laundry. I spilled water on my laptop, and this almost didn't happen. I hope the audio <laughs> works. I'm telling you, I spilled water, an entire glass of water on my laptop. I'm preparing for the day. I've got my laptop out and my iPad out, and my TV's going. And I sent you a text and I went, well, we might not be doing a podcast tonight because I might have just ruined my laptop. So as I said, hopefully this thing gets all the way through and we can hear it. But, you know, you're sitting there and it was it was such a slow start to the day. And you're thinking yeah. it was going to be Rom at minus 15. He had such a great day yesterday. Maybe Rom wins this thing. We know he's not necessarily been in that type of situation at a big event with the 54-hole lead. I think we're all waiting for Tommy Fleetwood. And listen, I – do not like conversations that begin with when is Tommy Fleetwood going to win on American soil? The guy has won humongous events. He was a superstar at the Ryder cup. He's been there. He knows what it feels like. Sure. It's not just cause this, it's not just cause you're on this side of the ocean. It's going to affect the way he plays, but I was kind of waiting for something to happen with him. And Rory just hung around long enough. It felt a little bit to me, Joel, like Ricky at the Waste Management earlier this year. Nobody was really pushing him early, and so he could get some of those jitters out because we didn't see Rory show up with his best stuff on Sunday, a little like we didn't see Rory show up with his best stuff on Saturday. He started bogey-bogey yeah. on Saturday. You know, he makes that double bogey on four today, hit a horrible golf shot, and uh, and really was just kind of begging that fourth shot on the green, makes six there. And so... We were I, to me. It was when Rory starts to make a move. That's what it. That's when it feels like this Players Championship is going to start. And that really was what what it was. Was when Rory got it going into fourth and fifth gear. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, here we go. It's going to be the Rory show. And I didn't ever feel like once he made that birdie on eleven that he was going to lose. Okay, so a couple of things because um, you t you touched on Fleetwood, and he'll be one of my answers that you know we talk. We'll, we'll talk about you know kind of winners and losers from the day that didn't win and so, so on and so forth. But for Fleetwood, let me touch on, because here's my thoughts with Fleetwood. I agree with you. You know, I don't want to start keeping pressure on this guy, but it's not like he's playing well on the weekends. You know, he's, he's basically put himself in position to win the last two tournaments and had really bad weekends. And today shooting 73, there were only a handful of guys that shot worse than he did. Right. You know, the, the scores were low today. So it's, it's not like this was just a ridiculously tough course that he went out there and didn't go low on. Everyone shot a pretty good round today. It was enough for Rory not to go stupid low. But Fleetwood and Rom in particular, I mean, those guys have got to be looking in the mirror tonight thinking to themselves like, wow, like the moment was way too big for us. So I think that conversation is fair. 
it's it's probably not fair to say like, boy, when is he going to win over here? Because I do think it's a matter of time. Yeah, and I mean, it it, it just seemed like, and, and you you touched on it last week. I mean, I did the Arnold Palmer for PJ Tour Live, and on Saturday he shot seventy six and had to birdie the last hole to do that, and it was just completely void of any anything of what we saw the first two days. I think it was his worst score on the PGA Tour since the Arnold Palmer the year before. I think he shot 76 on Friday at Bay Hill a year before, and since then had not gone that high on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes the weekend feels a little bit different. Maybe it does to Tommy Fleetwood. I'm still a believer that, you know, you're going to have good days and bad days, especially on a golf course like this. You touched on Sawgrass. You hit it wayward off the tee, or you're not getting it close to the hole on these greens, and you're going to shoot a high number. And you know, and on, on the reverse side of that, the guys that started to get going, Johnny Vegas, for instance, over the weekend, even Dustin Johnson shooting four rounds in the 60s, I believe was his first top 10 ever at the Players. You know, Once you kind of get it going, it, it does seem like a golf course that was very, very scorable, especially in this March Players as opposed to the May Players that we've seen before. But... You know, Fleetwood is like Rory to me. If you keep putting yourself there, eventually you're going to win a big event. And we've seen Tommy do this for now almost two years. It's fair. It's fair stuff that you bring up. I probably choked today, but that's all good. <laughs> choke, how about that? Okay, that's fine. I mean, I, I, li- I like it. I wanted to touch on Rory and what Rory does best, okay? Yeah. And we had Zinger, who we work with and we love. Zinger saying on 18 – I wish Rory wouldn't hit driver here as he's pulling driver out of the bag. And I really believed he was going to hit driver there because, again, that's this modern thought, especially when you're a guy that leans on the driver. I think of Dustin, of course. I think of Rory. I think of Brooks Kepka. These are guys that have learned it doesn't matter where I hit it with my driver. I feel like this is the weapon I have in my bag. He hits the drive on 18 – or, excuse me, he hits the drive on 16 over the trees, 347 yards on the par 5. He has nine iron left. Hits it into the smart part of the green. But even that shot, you know, that's probably 25, 30 feet for Eagle. I mean, that's a great golf shot for a lot of guys that are laying back. And then on 18, that drive was unbelievable. Just stripes right down the middle of the fairway and leaves again 150-some-odd yards into a difficult, difficult hole if you don't find the fairway. And I wrote on Twitter, it made me think back to what we saw with Brooks Kepka at the PGA Championship last year. He's on 18, we're thinking... Why does he have driver in his hand? And he just takes all the trouble out of play. And I feel like that's what yeah. these guys are doing. And Rory did it great when he needed to late in the round. Well, and listen, I, I come at this from a different perspective. I, I, it's not like I hit my driver super straight. But I can tell you this. I'm more confident in my driver than my three wood. And don't you think Rory is more confident in his driver than his three wood? So I think it's an old school philosophy of like, oh, man, you know, I don't, why would you hit a driver? It's like, well, remember, most of the guys that say that grew up playing persimmon drivers. Right. And, and most of the guys that just pull out their driver because they love it grew up, maybe not the entire time, but certainly for the majority of their formative years, hitting the modern technology. I think it's easier to hit the modern driver than the, the modern three-wood. Candidly, I think that the, the three-wood turns a lot harder. And the driver, everything in these drivers is made for these things to go straight. The ball is super straight. And, and I mean, Rory McIlroy might be the greatest driver of the golf ball in the modern era that, that we've seen. So when Paul said that, and I love Zing, you know that. But when he said that, I was like, man, that's such an old school philosophy. And, and in the new school, I just, I just don't agree with it. I mean, what, how many more drivers do you think – 
Rory McIlroy hits off the tee than he does three woods. I, I mean, mean, it's got to be kidding me close. 70%? Yeah, yeah, nine to one. I mean, it just seems like he doesn't and, – and the thing, too, is he doesn't care which way the hole goes. You know, I mean, it's if he's right. got to hit a little bit of a fade, he hits driver. If he's got to hit a little bit of a draw, he hits driver. And, uh, and, and I thought those were a little bit of his issues with the first hole all week long at Sawgrass was – he didn't care. He was still hitting driver, and he kept missing that fairway. But that's the way he plays. I mean, that's what he's doing yeah. right now to the PGA Tour is if I'm hitting my driver good, par is 66 or 67. And if I'm spraying it, I still can break par. And that's what he's been doing all season long. And that's why he keeps finishing in the top five and top six. I'm right there with you. No doubt. No doubt about it. But uh, I think now you start looking at him for the rest of the season, and I think going into next month, I don't know if there's a guy that I would put on top of his name, as at least personally, for favorites for the Masters. And I know that the pressure is going to be immense, and who knows if he can handle that. But let's let's talk about this week, right? I mean, you say you get bogey-bogey on, on Saturday. He starts, he has that double on what was it, four today. And – he still wins, you right. know, so maybe he's starting to exercise some of those demons of needing to be perfect in order to win. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, going forward and we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about a few things uh, looking ahead when we kind of get into our topics, we'll touch on here in a minute, but I think this and not cause it was the players, if it would have been Bay Hill or the Honda or any event he's played in this season, I think getting this win, you know, you got to remember, this is his first win since Bay Hill last year, worldwide. I mean, he's played well, he's been close, but he's not getting the Ws. And as you know, that starts to wear on you a little bit as a great, great player that has the cameras following you everywhere and the humongous galleries following you. I mean, he is the modern day, and I mean, of course, nobody's going to be there, but to me, he's the modern day Tiger in the sense that he is the young player that's been carrying this torch forward despite the finishes not being there. I think looking ahead at the Masters and the U.S. Open and the PGA and the Open, this is a humongous moment for Rory because he finally got the W when he needed it and, like you said, didn't have his best stuff always, especially early in those rounds. And so when you're looking at the Masters and you're looking even at the match play, I think he's going to go into those things even more confident than we've ever seen him, which is really saying a lot. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I'm excited for next month. Can't wait. All right, so I want to get into some po- topics. We've got a few to go over. We're going to do this after every big event. The majors, uh, of course, the players. I think you and I both agree the players is one step down, even though, goodness gracious, we've been told all week long that it was a fifth major. The first topic I want to can touch on. Can we stop with that? Is that some sort of, <laughs> like, can we, st- like, I hope you don't mind. It's just like, what are we doing? Like, it's just a normal event on a very average course with a couple cool holes coming in. Can we cool it with the whole major talk? Well, it's what I find so interesting about it, and I've said this a lot. I said this with Curtis on last week. Is and this happened today. This happened on Sunday. Clat is a golf tournament is awesome if the play and the drama and the action is awesome. That's all you need. Yeah. I mean, if you play a PGA Championship or even a U.S. Open or an Open Championship on a golf course and somebody runs away and wins by eight, it's not going to be that great to watch. But if it's all these guys coming in down the stretch and making birdies and eagles and knocking down flag sticks and making 70-footers, that's going to be great. And that's all we need in a golf event. I just don't understand the needed hype for it. This will be an event I think we'll look back on at the end of the season and go, that was one of the best events of the year. And it's simply because the action was great late. Well, and you got a great champion 
But my goodness, if this was a major championship, you'd look at the entire, basically the entire field, you know, finishing under par. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, give me a break. He's like, oh, it's just the best venue in professional sports. Knock it off. That's ridiculous. I think 69 players finished uh, finished in uh, red figures this week. But, yes, that was uh, that was something we were told a lot. All right, I'm going to start. First topic is the winner that didn't win. Who's your winner that didn't win this week? I thought this was the easiest category, and it was Jim Furyk by a mile, um, for me at least. The guy goes 64 on Thursday, 67 in the heat on Sunday, he finished ninth at Honda just to get in. I mean, he's been playing really well. I think this speaks to the pressure that being the captain for the Ryder Cup uh, is and why he went away for about a year and a half. And now all of a sudden, you can see Furyk contending in a few uh, you know, tournaments this summer. I, I loved watching him. I loved seeing his grit. I thought that the putt on 17 was going to go in. He was, I mean, I've never seen the guy show that much of emotion, right? I can think of when he finally won the FedEx Cup with his head uh, hat backwards right. when he won the U.S. Open. But this was as big as that for him. You could tell because he was ready to give us one of those reactions on 17. He stands up and just throws a dart in there on 18. It was fun to watch. So for me, it's Jim Furyk. I thought he might fall into the water on 17 he was backing up and I was like dude you only have a few feet like I I thought it and he stopped because I was with you I thought that putt was going to drop but I was thinking easy now easy now that that would make you got fluff having to pull you out of the water that is going to be something that would at least make the highlight shows but I was a little bit nervous all right my winner that didn't win and I get your point and I agree with it but I'm going Eddie Eddie Pepperell just the way he finished shoots 31 on the back uh, birdies on 15, 16, 17, that putt, of course, on 17. And then, and Clad, I know you're not a huge social media person, but Eddie Pepperell is the best follow on Twitter as a professional golfer. No offense to my buddy Max Homa, but he is so candid and honest. Even in his post-round interview, he's just kind of sitting back, and he's so relaxed, and, uh, and that's just so great to see. He's done some great stuff on the European Tour. Uh, it was nice to see him do something like this in his first go-around at Sawgrass. And uh, I really thought – I thought 14 had a really good chance. I mean, I knew there was some holes coming in. I knew there was a par 5 16th, of course, that Rory could reach, as we mentioned, with a 9-iron, for goodness sakes. But I thought 14 had an outside chance. So that's my winner that didn't win. And, and we'll flip to biggest and, bummer of the week. And well, mine's Jim Furyk. Well, Pepperell got better every single day, by the way. 72, 68, 68, 66. He, Vegas, and Grillo – are the, the three guys that shot the lowest round today and, and only bested Furyk by one who shot 67. So I, I'm i with you on that one. All right, so my biggest bummer is Furyk. Now, you said a winner that didn't win because you could see, as you mentioned, you could see it on his face. This is an enormous event for him. He's always been close to winning this over the years, played it a billion times. And, uh, and you know, it felt a little like Phil at Troon against Stinson. Where you know it, it was it was it was so close. You're like, you played so great. You were you were you were doing everything you needed to do, and you just ran into this guy that was a little bit hotter than you. And Rory McIlroy, I loved when he went over and congratulated him after. But you could see the emotion on his face and with his family walking off that 18th green. I think he thought he did it. I think he did enough. You know, and you mentioned it. The walk on the walk on the tee shot on 17, and then the one on 18. He was moving before it left his face. I mean, Ed, have you ever seen a guy do that before? 
It was the Podrick Harrington walkthrough. Like, he didn't even pose for a second. He just literally <laughs> hit it and started following it. And the best part was the shot right from behind the green of watching him walk and Fluff is trying to jog with the bag to keep up. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a great I moment. You know, I, I, I oh. love seeing that. We see all these uh, all these finishes and club twirls and all that stuff from the young guys. I love that Furyk was doing it. Who was your biggest bummer? Okay, is this like my the the loser of the day, basically? Sure, it's kind of. I like to make it a little broader, so you can kind of go whichever direction you want, Joel Klatt. I just said biggest bummer because, as I mentioned, I think Furyk, realistically, how many more chances is he's going to have at this event? You know, this used to be his home course. I'm sure you heard that a few times today. This, you know, how many realistically on a tough golf course like this? I'm just not sure how many more chances he's going to have to win this, and he was oh so close to doing it. So that's that was the that was the way I went with it. So as you know, I'm more negative than you. So that's for that's for sure. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, Hicks talking over Zinger all the time. Huge bummer. Um, for me, the course, huge bummer. But if you're, if I was looking at it from more of a player perspective, right? And the guys. As they, when they go and wherever they're at, when they're alone for the first time, who are the two or three guys that are going to be most disappointed or they have most soul searching to do? That's where I went with it, and it's two guys. And it's the two guys that shot the highest rounds in the top 20 today, and they were the two in the final group, Tommy Fleetwood and John Rom. John Rom shot 76, and there were only three players today that shot higher than that. He's got to be beside himself, to be quite honest with you. I mean, he played so well, 69, 68, 64. And for a player of that caliber to come out there and shoot 76 and look like he was a folded-up lawn chair from the first tee. I mean, he would – listen, I he was tied at times, and I know they said, oh, man, the tee shot on 17 is what cost him. I never felt like he was in the tournament, even when he was co-leading at 14 at times, when he was right. on like – eight and 13 or whatever it was. I just, there was no part of his game today that, that felt like closer, you know, like, like John Rom can play, like he's done it at in the desert before or so on and so forth. So that has to be a huge bummer for him. And then Fleetwood for the second straight weekend has a really bummer of a weekend. He goes 70, 73 today. Again, the 76 and the 73 were the highest two scores that anybody in the top 20 shot today. And I think a lot of that has to do with pressure. So that, for me, that was a huge bummer and a huge letdown. Uh, the, the only other guy who who didn't let it get to him was McElroy because Day shot 72. That was one of the higher scores. Right. And he was one of those guys in the last few. McElroy had the double on four and just kept plodding along and plodding along. Didn't have his A game. He at times looked like a folded up lawn chair, missing it left, missing it right. And it didn't matter that's what golf fans want to see because that's what tiger gave us for a decade it didn't matter where he was hitting it he was going to win the golf tournament because that's what he was there to do he wasn't there to play great golf he was there to win and for me that's what mcelroy did just want to take a quick moment uh, to remind you guys about the new pro v1 and pro v1x and the fact that they'll be available in yellow i love the new pro v1x that's the one i've been playing i have yet to tee up the yellows but that will change this week and, uh, and something that's very, very cool about Titleist and the Pro V1 and Pro V1X and all of their balls is getting a chance to go visit the ball plans. I went out to ball plan three 
in Massachusetts a few months ago. And you just see all that goes into it. People that have been there for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 70 years that have worked at Titleist and have have continued to manufacture these golf balls. And all that goes into it, the research and the planning and the studies and the science, it's unbelievable. And that's all to make the golf ball better for you. And that's what Titleist has always done. And that is what Titleist continues to do. Check out the new Pro V1 and Pro V1X. And like I said, Give it a look at in the yellow department. I'm telling you, these things are going to fly off the shelves. It's the first time the Pro V1 and Pro V1X have ever been made in yellow, and I can't wait to play them. I'm thinking this might be a staple of mine. I might be a yellow golf ball guy from henceforth. We will see. I'm going to take a couple sleeves out this week and play with them. Do it yourself. Let's get back to Joel. Yeah, and, you know, there was a moment when we were calling action last week at Bay Hill, and McElroy had a mud ball on nine. Uh, at Bay Hill. Nine's one of the hardest par fours on the planet. And he hits this second shot from the fairway, and it just goes straight right off the face. And he starts laughing. And he and he looks over at his caddy and he goes, I hope they caught that with Pro Tracer. That was his reaction. He goes up there and gets it up and down for four. And then what he said to Steve Sands after the round, I'm right there with you, Clat, when he just talked about I made double on four. I knew it was going to be a tough day. I knew I had plenty of holes left. The attitude is so great. And then when you flip it to John Rahm, who I know, and you you heard it a lot and on social media and people writing about it, he's trying to work on his temper, which I think everybody would agree he needs to on the golf course. He had that moment on 11. And Adam Hayes is literally, and the audio picked it up. It was great audio from NBC. And he's sitting there basically telling him not to hit this shot. He's saying, hit it out to the right. We'll pitch it on the green. We'll make four that way. And Rom, Rom basically dismisses him. And, and, and you could see Adam Hayes shook his head. I mean, you never see that from caddies, especially professional caddies. And Rom hits it in the water and makes six there and was never the same. So I think those are great. I mean, those two guys had as good a chance as anybody to win the tournament and showed up and played really, really brutal golf on Sunday. So that is your biggest bummer, or both the guys in the last group, I agree. What will we overreact to the most from this week? Joel Clad, this is one of my favorite categories. The overreaction, I believe, is going to be that that quote unquote Tiger struggled. Um, I, I think that this version of Tiger in this modern game versus what it was ten years ago. See, ten years ago, Tiger knew that he could show up with A, B, or even C plus game and maybe win. And now, I think he realizes he he can't. This doesn't mean he's not going to win this year, and it doesn't mean he's not going to win multiple times. I think that this is a, is a guy that's going to show up on a week-to-week basis, and if he gives, gets a sniff, then he throws it in the fourth and fifth gear, and he's going to go for it. But if not, you're going to see the lighter side, and you're going to see him messing with Kevin Nod. He's going to be working on things. And I think that because of his greatness on a week-in and week-out base, basis in the past, we're going to overreact to what will be now more of a hot, not so hot, hot, not so hot start to, you know, that's kind of the way he's going to go on. So I think that the overreaction is going to be about Tiger. See, and I think the overreaction will be about Rory because we always wait for these moments from these guys. If it's Rory, I mean, it's a short list, Clat, you know that it's Rory and Spieth, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, and that's kind of the list. You could probably look on the outside of that and say a Jason Day or a Rom for that matter, but, or even, I mean, obviously Kepka, don't you see, that's what we forget Kepka, and that's what he always yells about us about. But, you know, the, there's there's certain names, well, I think. to win a regular event. Like, <laughs> show up in a regular event, and then we won't forget about you. He, he, almost, he almost ruined his ratio at the Honda. I don't want him to have more regular event wins than he does majors. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> He's like the Andy North status going. But, you know, like, 
I think when Rory wins these, and it happened last year at Bay Hill, it really did, is when he wins, people go, here we go. We're going to see Rory do what he did in 2014. And if he doesn't win in two months or if he doesn't win the Masters, you know, they'll, we'll start to wonder what's wrong. And, uh, and to me, it's almost like his success brings up the negatives later in the season if it doesn't go into and some it, crazy season yet. Also, I think that's the curse of Tiger. Don't right, you think? For sure. Absolutely. I mean, we all expect it's like, okay, you're one of the top, you know, talented players in the world. You're supposed to dominate like we've seen in the past. And that's just not possible. Right. So I think that I think some of that is the curse. Of, I think DJ falls under the curse of Tiger. I think Spieth fell into it and has now gone into the deep, dark abyss because of the curse of Tiger. Because everyone expects it's like, wait, 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 you're not winning once a month. What's wrong? Yeah, and I, I've talked about this a lot with Ricky Fowler and Ricky Fowler's career over the years is winning is this definition of great. And, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, we will look at careers by wins and majors, and that's kind of what you have to hang your hat on. But if you're finishing in the top five every week, you're playing unbelievable. And, I mean, Ricky did that for years. He continues to do it on a fairly regular basis. And so sometimes – even if they don't win, they're right there where they want to be. And, I mean, I thought, you know, Rory mentioned that after. He said, I think the last few weeks on the PGA Tour being so close helped me get to this point today. I will ask you, what will we forget the fastest? What's the thing we're going to forget and not even remember it in three weeks, a month, eight weeks, something like that? Oh, my gosh. Um, Uh, that one was harder for me. I think it's probably going to be my biggest bummer, which was that Rom shot 76. Right. You know, we tend to forget about when these guys implode, you know, and, and in particular, because, because we will overreact circa your answer with Rory, you know, when Rom wins this year, which I'm sure he will again, we'll overreact towards that way. And we'll, we will forget about the fact that he was in a great position to win one of the most prestigious championships of the year. Mine was mine will be Johnny Vegas. I mean, he shot a bogey-free 66 and makes that putt on 17. It was like right there. I just feel like that will be something we don't remember, that Vegas made a run at this thing and nearly won. But, you know, I mean, it wasn't the easiest of golf courses, for goodness sakes, despite the fact that we did see some low scores. And uh, and that was a that was a stonesy round by Vegas, I thought. And, uh, and you know what was crazy was the putt on 17 – we just saw Eddie make that putt, and everybody was freaking out, and it was all over social media. And Vegas steps up, and it was like 20 feet out. And I was watching, and I was like, man, this thing's going to go in. And it was like 10 feet out. Like, this thing might go in right in. And he wasn't really reacting either, and it goes in. And, I mean, you, you, A, you can't find a longer putt on the entire green than that. But I just I, – I love seeing those types of guys that will take so much from a round that maybe we don't even think about – in three or four days from now. This could be one of those rounds that propels him to a great season because he did it on this stage with this big of a leaderboard. Yeah, but I, I think that that's a, that's a great point. We do tend to forget the guys that put themselves right up there. And then at the end of the year, or if they win, you go back and you're like, man, we, maybe we should have seen this. Look at that. He had the, the second place or the third place players, so on and so forth. What will we remember from the 2019 players five years from now? Well, see, when when a guy like Rory wins, you tend to, to remember it, right? I think that, you know, no disrespect, but no one 
really remembers that Fred Funk won, you know, a player's. But when Rory wins a tournament, you tend to remember it, whether it's a major or any other event. That's why I think people really remember the Arnold Palmer Invitational last year, because Rory right. won it. If, if it wasn't that, my if Rory didn't win, I think what ultimately people <laughs> And this just speaks to, I think, just the the power of Tiger. People were, would have remembered Tiger impersonating Kevin Na on the seventeenth hole. <laughs> that's a good point. Yes. I know that's super Tiger centric. But, but I, I don't, I don't think it's true. that far off. I, I, I think you're. I mean, that's one of those deals that you'll see pop up once a month on something. You know, it'll be a gif right. that somebody attaches to something, or a, I mean, it was it was a great moment. I mean, I, I mean, he was having a great time with it. But I, I'm with you. I wrote the same thing. Rory is what we'll remember five years now. We'll remember Rory winning this thing when big name. Play- and you know what I say is, and, and I, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but if you're a, a person that's like Rory McIlroy, right? He's going to be 30 years old in May and he plays golf. It's his job. He approaches it very seriously. He wants to be known as one of the best of all time. All of those things. He wants to be known as the best European player of all time. I guarantee you that maybe it's not a notes app like Justin Thomas does, but there's things that he checks off. You know, I, I want to win the U.S. Open. I want to win the PGA. I want to win the British. I want to win the Masters. I want to win the Grand Slam. All of these things. This is a big thing to check off. And, and I think this is a golf yeah. course that's, as we've seen in the past, is a very, very hard event for people to win. And it really doesn't pick favorites. It's not a long ball hitter. It's not a short guy. It's not short game. It's not wedge. And I think when you have a chance to win this like Rory did and you do win it, it's something you can check off. He may he may never win another players, but he's done it now, and that's just one more thing he can say he's done in his career. And you know, that's I think that's a big deal for him to do. I mean, I think he looks at probably Bay Hill and says, "I won Arnie's event. I want to win the Memorial. You know, now I might want to win Riv because it's Tiger's deal." I think these are these are things that Rory of all people look at as part of his career, and this is one of those things that he's going to be very proud he did. And it speaks volumes for his ability to win on a lot of different types of golf courses. I'll also, I'll go a step further just because of the, the history of the game. And, and I think that, you know, when momentum, listen, when some of these talking heads, you know, they're not going to stop talking about this as the quote unquote fifth major. Right. They just won't, even though that's just such a, a late, uh, whatever you, you, you understand my thoughts on that. I think it's just so dumb. Now, having said that, if it is, then you start looking at, okay, you know, who are the, who are the winners? And you do have a really great list of winners. Obviously Nicholas three times, you've got couples on there. You've got, I think, you know, price Norman won one of these Um, Duval at his height, won one of these Mickelson won one of these. And then in my head, I start thinking to myself, okay, so only two players in the history of golf have won this tournament and all four major championships as Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods. And now all of a sudden you've got Phil Mickelson, has a chance to do that same thing, which does he, does he not? I don't know. Maybe he's too old to get an open. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot about it this summer going to Pebble, but there's Rory McIlroy, right? right? And now he's got enough time where he could put himself on a list of Grand Slam winners at some point if he's able to win the Masters and an even smaller list, which is Grand Slam plus the players. So you know, from that standpoint, this is a huge win for Rory. Yep, I totally agree. I think it'll, like you said, I think you and I, it's the only thing we had as the topics the same, Rory being what we'll remember from five years from now. I wanted to bring up something 
that was making me, uh, I don't know, I was perplexed, confused a little bit earlier this week. The story came out, I don't know if you saw it or not, it was a Golf Channel story about Brooks Kepka, and he has been losing a lot of weight for something. He said, we'll know soon. And, uh, and he said it's affected his golf game. And what I was confused by, Joel, and I'm sure you're probably a little confused too, is why would you do this now? This this compact schedule with players, then we get the Masters, then we get the PGA, then we get the U.S. Open. I mean, there's it all comes at you very, very fast. I don't understand why you would do something that would mess with your golf game when obviously you know all of the enormous events are coming up quick. Why wouldn't you do this in the offseason? This is just not going to help the generalized <laughs> reputation for Brooks Kepka, right? <laughs> I mean, when you're considered a meathead, I'm just, then, you know, doing something for potentially vanity reasons that's going to hurt your game at this point in the season is not going to help out that, that narrative. I, I was so frustrated when I read this because, and, and let's, let's just start with the fact that the guy has immense talent, right? I mean, ridiculous talent. He's also not the best interview and you know, listen, he plays better in majors than he does in, in normal, you know, golf tournaments. This just made my, my pimples hurt. And the reason is, Shame for an American golfer, heck, for any golfer, but I think on the international stage, maybe the Open Championship has put itself, you know, in, so, in a class where international players really want to win the Open Championship as their, you know, their holy grail in the sport. For an American born player, the holy grail of the sport is winning the Masters. You do not mess with your game the month before April. <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what are we doing? And for like, for what? So you can look good on the cover? It's, it, it was it was such it's such a strange story. He said he said quote When you go from 212 pounds to 190, there's not as much weight going forward through the ball. I don't have as much feel. I just feel out of sorts. This is a a story on GolfChannel.com by Ryan Lavner, and uh, I thought you would have such a great take on it because it's again like you said. Just not the time. You know what time you can do this in? The day after the tour championship. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lose 30 pounds, and I'm going to have right. my abs are going to look so good. But don't do it now. This is what all the important but, but stuff's remember, going on. It's it's not a requirement. Did you already say? I, I'm sorry, I, I blinked out because my temples hurt. Did you say that this is reportedly for the body issue? Well, that, that's it. I've heard rumors that that's what it is. I don't think there's actually been word out that that's what it's okay. for but i've heard people say the rumor there's rumors is, that that's the case if the if that's the case let me just tell you something it's not a requirement that you're fit to be in the body <laughs> right like so this is 100 percent like his own self mentality his own like oh i'm gonna be in the body issue i i have to look good he can show up weighing 250. He can show up sloppy. He can he can do the shoot with a cigar. It doesn't matter. But he's <laughs> the one that wants it to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be shredded, man. My abs are going to be amazing. I'm not going to I'm not going to eat. Here's my diet. I'm not going to eat anything. And then when I'm about to pass out, I'm going to eat a cube of cheese. It's like what? 
<laughs> what are we doing? It's just again, like I, I, you know, I, I, I root for Brooks Kepka because. I think Brooks Kepka is unbelievable for golf because he is so different. And this year, his whole I'm just going to speak my mind thing has been great. I mean, he's talked about slow play. He's talked about all the stuff that I think irritate you and I about professional golf. Yet you see this story and you're like, dude, you can win like seven majors in a three-year span because obviously you seem to rise to the occasion when a lot of players fall off. Just don't make this decision. This doesn't seem like it'd be the perfect thing for you. But you know what? We'll see what happens. Maybe he packs on about 15 he did, before he, he did into Augusta. After, he did say, after Wednesday, I'll be fine. So apparently the shoot is going to be happening <laughs> in the next couple of days. And then he's like, I just want to eat again. Quote. Uh, this is a direct quote. Quote. I just want to be able to eat again. By your own self-admission. Bro, again, th- it is not a prerequisite that you have a six-pack in the magazine. You can show up sloppy. <laughs> it just It's your own it is your own deal. I, I know. I know. It's just, it, it was it was wild. I, I was I was dying laughing at that. I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh, Clat. So <laughs> we have a few weeks until we obviously the Masters. We've got the match play coming up. Uh, I want to do this with you after the big big events. So after Sunday at the Masters, we can jump on and just kind of chat about what went down, and then of course we could do it in person at the U.S. Open. But just thought it would be fun to to bring you on. Um, I know people know you for college football, but I mean, they're going to know you more and more and more over the next couple of years, uh, as you join the team and, and help us out a lot on the golf side. So, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Tell people on a scale from one to 10, your obsession or your passion with golf. It's probably a somewhere in the 15 range. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to guess. That's about right. It's about right. Absolutely love the sport. And um, I, I probably consume more hours of golf channel than maybe anyone. The, the TV is just constantly on Golf Channel, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, and they're certainly three, all three. Um, it's I got to tell you, man, I just I, I love the game. But Kepka did say he's 10 to 12 yards shorter and went from ninth in strokes gained to 46. Dude, just have a cheeseburger. He's, he's just, he just needs a cheeseburger. You might have to have one, too. Uh, that's Joel Klatt. Uh, Klatt, where can people follow you on the uh, social medias that you rarely use? If they're in Orange County tonight, I'm driving to In-N-Out Burger because I can. <laughs> Perfect. And, and on social media everywhere else, you can follow me at Joel Clatt on Twitter, and I'm at Joel underscore Clatt on Instagram. Wow, couldn't get Joel Clatt, huh? Couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't throw was, the extra bucks. I was late to the party, and I'm not going to pay some dude in Ohio. So Yeah, I mean, maybe, I mean. Maybe like for 500 bucks, signed picture maybe? Maybe a signed buff picture they take? No? You don't think so? Hey, hey, how about $500 and a signed copy of Joe Buck's book? Ooh, that would work. Not by, he didn't want you to sign that it. He, doesn't, he wants Joe to sign it. If you no, no, signed no, no. It, Joe, Joe's going to sign wait, it. Wait, have you, t- I'm Joe, just, I'm you better talk Joe's to Joe about this. You're throwing me. Joe's name out there, just saying he's going to sign oh, his book. Oh, he'll be fine with it. Oh, my goodness. He'll be fine with it. Okay, all right. We'll see how it is. All right, that's Joe Klatt. That's our rep for the players. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in the next couple of weeks with more Joel Clad, uh, especially following, uh, following what can only be uh, a Rory win at the Masters, as you're predicting. I think so. Rory's my favorite. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. All right, a big thanks to Joel Clad And for all you out there listening, hope you guys enjoyed the players. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back next week with a special guest that I'm very, very excited about. Have a good week. Get out and play some golf if you can, and we will check back with you soon.